All right. Uh, one thing that I think is really cool that has nothing to do with what's going on here, but have y'all seen the Pokemon thing? I'm completely out of the loop on Pokemon, but apparently there's this new geocaching caching type of game where you go around the city. Well, uh, Jeremy told me that, that we have a gym, so we're a gym, like on our property, like he came up and it showed like on our front steps or whatever that we're, huh? The only church on the street that is a gym in this Pokemon game. So I thought that was really cool. So we're a gym. Okay. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm completely out of the loop because I don't know much about Pokemon, but I understand geocaching a little bit. So anyway, so who knows? Maybe it'll lead, maybe it'll lead somebody here and come to church. I don't know. I'll, I'll pray. I'll pray over it and anoint it right now, Father. I pray that. I swear. I pray that everyone that comes here to play that game, Father, that you will just touch their hearts and minister to them right where they are, Father. That you will just reach out to them um, and meet them right where they are in the midst of a game, Father. That you can use that and you can you can. You can glorify yourself in it, Father, and you can reach them and love them right there, Father. And let us be good representations of that um, as they walk through these doors. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Anyway, all right, so we're continuing the, the series Walk in the Spirit. Um, and I want to start with a story about this Honduras trip that we, that we took last year. It was awesome. Um, but I, I'm going to be honest, and I'm honest with you all the time, but I'm going to be honest with you. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Like I don't, No, I'm just kidding. I'll be honest with you, when, when, when this first came about, everyone was talking me into it. Like, Tracy was like, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go. Mark was like, you need to go, you need to go. I was like, you need to go. And, and all the time I was going, I don't, I don't think I need to go. Like, I don't, I don't really want to go. I feel like I should go, but I don't really feel like I want to go. And so I, I made lots of excuses, and I would pray about it, and God was saying, yeah, you need to go. And, I, and, and some of the excuses I came up with, I, I remember distinctively, I was like, well, Tracy and the kids are here. This is like a dangerous, you know, murder capital of the world. And I need to be responsible with my family. Like, that was one of my excuses. I don't need to be irresponsible and go to this place and something happened to me. And look, I've left my family behind. That's not very responsible. So that was one of my excuses. The other one was, um, and I remember distinctively thinking this, because <laughs> we all have our ideas. We think we're right, right? Don't you, don't you think about stuff and you're like, I pretty much know everything. I mean, I wish everybody else did, but I pretty much know everything. So I was thinking, what am I going to do in a week's time that's really going to change people's lives there? Like, literally, that's what I thought. I thought... I don't want to. I don't. I don't think this is going to be beneficial to anyone if I go do this for a week. So I felt like I didn't need to do it. That was one of one of my other excuses. And then the other one, which was a big one, was like I couldn't afford it. I don't have the money. <laughs> I don't have the money to go. Which the Lord provided. Thanks. <laughs> and then and then I was like, well, I really don't have an excuse. I mean, I've got some excuses, but we went anyway. And I went with reservations, to be honest. So we went, and the first three days. Um, I was constantly overthinking everything as I usually do and thinking the same things. We went to an orphanage and and I just thought, man, we're just I'm 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 just another man to come into these people these kids' lives and then just leave again. And that's what I felt like. How is that beneficial? And I was really struggling with that. <laughs> Melissa was saying, We didn't know if you were mad or you were angry. I was, I, was, I was just struggling, like really, really struggling with what I was doing there, what my purpose was. Um, but I think it was either on the third or fourth day when my little stomach stomach bug cleared up. Um, we were having a time when everyone was having these great stories of what was going on and what they were experiencing, and I was thinking, that's awesome for them, but I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. Um, but it was about the, it was the third or fourth meeting, I don't remember which one it was, but Hennessy's, um was in that group, and she was a translator from there. And let me explain this so you kind of get, get what's going on here. They have, and correct me if I'm wrong, or don't correct me if I'm wrong, there's, <laughs> there's uh, public schools, which are pretty rough, that's why we brought the one-way bags, because sometimes they get paid, sometimes they don't, it's, it's just, they do it from the love. And so the public schools are really, really rough, and that's what we minister to a lot. And then there's private schools, and then there's bilingual, right? That's how it steps up. 
The bilingual is the top of the tier. And so you're pretty fairly wealthy in that country if you go to right, bilingual school. Well, uh, the ministry that we went there with uh, is connected and they live there. So they're connected with a bunch of people in there. And in doing that, they have connected with the bilingual schools where they can have translators come and earn a credit. Is that right? To, to okay, I just want to make sure I'm telling it right. To, uh, to translate for us. And I don't know that a lot of them even know that it's a real ministry ministry or they just know it's, they get a credit basically or they know it is and it's just like Good Samaritan type of thing. So Henesis comes in this group and she's, she's studying. She seems very intelligent and, and she's, she's obviously bilingual and she's translating for us. Well, about the third or fourth day as we're going around, I can see her begin to break down as we get closer and closer to her to talk about our day. And as soon as, we, as, soon as, uh, as, soon as she begins to speak, she just loses it and begins to cry. And she says, I have avoided these people my whole life. I've walked around and stayed away from these areas that we've been ministering to while you guys have been here. And these are my people from my country. And I have avoided them. And I've been afraid. And she said, I found my purpose here today. I, I, she still, I think she still wants to come to America and go to college, but she wants to go back and change and get into government and change things over there. And it, it clicked in me what was happening. I was being very self-referential the whole time. I was thinking, it was all, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It wasn't about me at all. There was a divine appointment there that we were a part of. And there was a much bigger thing happening than what I could see. Does that make sense? There's bigger truth. There's bigger love than what we can see in our very finite beings. God had orchestrated all of that. And there were many other things that happened. And I, and I, I witnessed many things, and I was touched as well. But if it was just that, it was completely worth it for me to go, for all of us to go. But that, that ministry is there, and they are continually going to those places, and they continually do that stuff. We were a very small part of something bigger, okay? And that's the main thing I want you to see here is we played a very small part in a much bigger picture, in a much bigger ministry that was going on, and God was using us in the midst of this to help people and to love people and to radically change their lives and very possibly change the whole culture and nation over there because there's a very much escape mentality. We need to get out of here. Let's get to America so things can be better. I mean, we, we, we saw people at hospitals, both legs cut off, because they were trying to get on a train to try to get to America, and they fell, and, and the train cut their legs off. And now they can't work or do anything, because they just want to get out. They just want to get out so they can have a better life. And, and Henesis, a young woman in high school, saw that she could make a difference in her own country, and she's not going to try to escape. And that, that really touched me and changed my perspective on things. Now, I said all that to say this. We, we, we make a lot, of a lot of excuses, do we not? Have you ever... <laughs> felt led or felt called or had an opportunity to do something, you've made an excuse and tried to get out of it because it's either scary or uncomfortable or just outside of, of, of what you think you should be doing. Anybody? I know I have. Honduras is one of those. There's been others. So I wanted to share that with you so you could see kind of, of, of where I'm coming from in this. Now, in the midst of everything, Tracy and I have wept and prayed over, over our nation and over the world with with all the things that have been going on. And, and I'm not going to, we're going to touch on a few things here that, that are not exhaustive, so please catch me in the back if I say something wrong and you think I'm, I'm way off base. But, but some of these things are, are sensitive subjects, especially now, but I think we need to address them, especially as a church that's about to be reaching out to our community. So we're going to be in John 4, 1. 
Um, and we're going to be talking about walking in the Spirit. <clears throat> and I'll try to keep it together. <laughs> no promises, though. Um, we've talked about walking in the Spirit. We, we are not just um, imitators of Christ. We have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, so He is with us. Now, that's easy to say, but sometimes it's hard to see. Now, when we get into the story, we're talking about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and his disciples hung out together. They ate breakfast together. Um, John bragged about how close him and Jesus were <laughs> and how he was so loved. But they were very close. They were, they were, they were tight-knit. Jesus would get up and say, okay, we're going to go here, and they'd go, and they'd follow him. And we're going to go here, and they'd follow him, and we're going to go here. And you go here, and they go, okay, we'll go here. And so there was, there, was, there was relationship there. One would talk, the other one would listen. There was back-and-forth dialogue between Jesus and his disciples, okay? Now... We don't have that, that luxury in that we can see him physically, okay? We're missing that one little detail. That's why we walk by faith, right? But here is the truth, though. The truth, though, is we have that same dialogue. We have that same following and ebb and flow of relationship that they did. It's just a little bit different. It just looks different. And sometimes it can be difficult. Can, can I be honest? This, it can be difficult to follow an invisible God sometimes. It takes faith and it takes an understanding of, of who we have with us to to talk to someone that you can't physically see, okay? Now, when we get into this, this is, this is, this is where I want you to see that this is, um, this is the reality that we're in. This is truth. Now, how many of you know we don't determine truth, we discover it, right? God determines truth, we just get to discover it. Um, if we begin determining our own truth, that makes us God. <laughs> and we can get to a lot of trouble doing that. Uh, talk, <laughs> look at the Pharisees. All right. So, um, this is the story, and, and you know, I, I probably preached four or five sermons from this, so I'm not going to go all the way into it, but it was the Samaritan woman at the well. John 4, 1, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. Now, verse 4 is very important because we're going to come back to this. He traveled through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria uh, called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God... And who is saying to you, give me a drink? You would ask him, and he would give you living water. Now, let's stop there. There's two main things I want to dive into here. Um, they went through Samaria, and, and he sent his disciples in to get some food. Now, it says he stopped because he was tired. It didn't say he was hungry. Now, think about this. So he was tired, Jesus stopped, and he sent his disciples to go get some food while he talked to a Samaritan woman. First thing, some of you may know, Samaritans were considered half-breeds, and Jews did not associate with them at all. Literally, they would walk almost twice as long to go around Samaria than to go through it. They did not want to go through Samaria at all, okay? This was what they considered to be less of people than them. They were superior to them. They were the bottom of the barrel. They didn't associate with them. They didn't do business with them. They didn't have anything to do with them, okay? And they would literally walk miles around to, to go around them. But Jesus purposefully, I believe, goes through Samaria and meets with a Samaritan woman, not just a Samaritan, but a woman as well. Um, and he sends his disciples to get food. Now imagine, imagine this scene with the disciples walking into a Samaritan town. 
Now, these are Jews. Imagine Jews in robes and, and sandals. And what are those fancy sandals called? Bir not Birkenstocks. <laughs> Nobody wears Birkenstocks anymore. What are the ones? Chacos. Imagine them in their Chacos. <laughs> That's what I imagine them in. Imagine them in their Chacos going to this town of people that for years they've hated, right? They've not associated with these people. And now Jesus says, hey, go get me some food. I'm going to talk to this Samaritan woman. Can you imagine the disciples going, okay, we're going into a town where we hate these people, and they probably hate us too, right? Do you think this was uncomfortable for them? I can imagine them like being in a pack, like, okay, can, can we buy some food? We don't, we're not selling you any food. I mean, can you imagine some of the conversations they had? Hey, um, we need to get some food. Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You don't, you don't talk to me. We don't associate with each other. Can you imagine how awkward that was when they were going through a community of people that for years they've hated and they've, and they've hated them and, and they don't associate with each other? Two completely different cultures. And as they walk through, they go, hey, can we get some food? Can we get some food? And this has got to be very awkward for them. It has to be. And so the whole time, the whole time they're out doing this, Jesus is talking to this woman, a Samaritan woman. And we're going to skip down to 25 because there's, I could, like I said, I could preach four sermons through the, through the middle of that scripture because it's really good. And if y'all remember the one, it was, I had to describe what a thirsty, <laughs> what thirsty was. Anyway, um, verse 25 says, The woman said to him, I know that, that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ when he comes. He will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I am he, the one speaking to you. Now, at the same time, his disciples walk up just then. This is verse 27. Just then his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the men, come see a man who told me everything I did. Now listen to this. Right as he's telling her who he is, these disciples walk up. Imagine the look on their face when they saw Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. Can, can you imagine her looking at them, seeing these Jewish men who all, her own perspective now, now that you have to get this, from her perspective, these were racist men who hated her. Okay? That's all she knew. And she left her jar and she ran away. They didn't question Jesus because they were scared. They didn't know what to say, but can you imagine their faces? How many of you ever seen someone's face without them saying anything? You know what they're thinking. Am I right? Can you imagine them going up and going, oh my gosh. Now, if you, if you do read in the story, we're not going to get through the whole thing for time's sake, but this wasn't just a Samaritan, wasn't just a woman, but this was a woman that had had, she was fairly promiscuous, let's just say that. Can you imagine them saying, Jesus, do you have any idea who you're talking to? This, this is not a good woman. She's done a lot of bad things. She's from a bad area. We just left that area. It's scary. I don't want to go back to that area. And they begin to tell him, hey, you need to eat, as if Jesus needs them to tell him to eat. And you know what he tells them? You, you have no idea. I have food you don't even know about. <laughs> you guys have missed the whole point. Think about this. When Jesus sat down, he said he was tired. He wasn't hungry. Why did he send them into that community? Why did he send them in there to get food if he wasn't even hungry? He was teaching them something. He was showing them what he was doing. He was showing them the bigger picture. He was revealing to them 
while he was revealing to her the same thing. That it's bigger than a culture, a community, a person, uh, a denomination, a race. It's bigger than that. Imagine their faces when they got back and they saw Jesus talking to this woman. And they're like, hey, Let's see, 31. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you, do, that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone else have brought him something to eat? Are you kidding me? We just went through all that to get you food and you're not hungry? But Jesus didn't send them to get food because he was hungry. He wanted to teach them something about themselves. Listen, you're, you're not going to lose your salvation because you're not doing outreaches or going on mission trips. I'm not saying that these are things that you have to do to gain God's favor. But don't be blind to the times when Jesus is urging you and the Holy Spirit is leading you by walking in the Spirit to go a little bit different way than you were planning on going. Y'all remember when I, when I, brought, uh, when I brought Gabe up here? <laughs> um, Gabe, come I want to do it again. Come here, Gabe. Because this is a really good visual. Now, we, we do this, and, and I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. We do this, and we say, God, we've got, uh, we, we come to God as, 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 as Gabe will be a representation of everyone on the, on the face of the earth. We come to God, and we say, hey, we have these, I have these plans. Check this out. I want to do these things. I want to do this stuff. And, and, and they all go this way, and, and they come around here, and then they go down those steps, and they go out there, and they're going to go through those doors, and they're going to go out the front door, and they're going to stop because they have a Pokemon fight right there, and then they're going to go... <laughs> Is that what Pokemon do? They fight? Or do you just catch them? They battle. They battle. Okay. So anyway, so, so he has all these plans. He's got to go down there. Da, 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 Pokemon battle. And he's got to the road. Okay. You've got all these plans. And he brings them. And, and the Lord goes, aw, <laughs> that's so cute. I'm really glad that you have these plans. But let me, let me guide your steps. And he guides his steps in a different direction, in a direction that may not feel safe. And at that, at that point, he, Gabe's prayer life begins to get really, really strong. <laughs> because he begins, to go, he begins to go, are you sure that you want me to do this? Because this is scary. I'm not familiar with Samaritans, or I'm not familiar with, with, with what's going on over here. I'm good at this stuff. I can go play the drums. <laughs> and keep playing the drums. I'm not saying don't play the drums. But what I'm saying is, there are times when the Lord leads our steps. When, when we have our plans, we want to go, thank you, Gabe. I just want to show you that. Because it really does, it takes, sometimes it takes, Gabe, Gabriel Turner, part of the talented Turner family. But, but we have this idea of where we're going and what we're doing and where we're going and what we're doing. And God never promised us that this life is going to be safe. He is good. You remember the Aslan thing? And he is king. But he never promised that it would be safe. Now, I'm not saying blindly go and, and, and sacrifice in the name of the Lord because you're just being ignorant. I'm not saying that. But I am saying keep your eyes open, open, open to what the Lord's leading you to do and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because that's what walking in the Spirit is. If, if you lead, okay, if you lead and you're walking and you, and you know where you're going and you know that I can do this and I can do that and I can do this and I can do that, what are you depending on? Me. Listen, the Pharisees cornered the market on, on the old, in the Old Covenant. They had the, they had the market cornered. They rushed Jesus and tried to push him off a cliff when he said this gospel's for everybody. They said, we don't, oh, no, you're going to mess up our whole system. We've got a good thing going. We can control this. And Jesus said, no, 
It's, it's for everybody. It's not just the Jews. It's for everybody. And they rushed him. Look at the end of, I think it's in the end of Luke. In the end of Luke, they rushed him, and they tried to run him off a cliff because of it. Listen, the gospel is not just for Sunday mornings in church. The gospel is not just for a certain type of people or a certain demographic of people. Everything that's going on in, in, in our lives right now that we're seeing, that, that especially media is shoving down our throats, is a very limited perspective of lots of different people. It is very opinionated, and we all have opinions, and I'm not even going to bore you with my opinion because you don't care. <laughs> because my opinion is not important. This is much bigger, and if, if there's something I'm going to take a stand on, it's not going to be hashtags and all the, all, the, all the drama that's on that. It's not going to be on that junk. It's going to be on Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's going to be on the bigger picture. Because all these things we're seeing is just the fruit. It's not the root of what's going on. Listen, we were in light of the village and we were seeing those, those young people and, and all of these leaders that are working their butts off in the heat to pour out love to these kids and sharing the gospel and changing their lives from the core of who they are. They are breaking the cycles in those families. And we as a church have to be that light. There, there's no plan B. There's no, there's no one else going to step up and say, okay, we'll do it then. The Christians didn't do it. Who else is going to do it? Listen, lives will be changed and they'll be shifted in the direction of the people that pour into them. If you pour fear, pour fear into people, and that's what they're going to manifest. Listen, we spent, I tried to spend all weekend listening. I tried to keep my mouth shut, which is difficult. But we went to a few birthday parties. We, we, didn't, we did a few things. We uh, went rode jet skis because apparently I'm the jet ski pastor. We went to a birthday party, and someone introduced me and said, oh, this is Justin, da, da, da. This is Tracy's husband. Oh, you're the jet ski pastor. I was like, is that a thing? Is that my title now? I'll take that. But that's how I thought it was funny. You're the jet ski pastor. Oh, okay. But I tried to listen to the conversations that were going on. You know what the predominant thing that I saw in all of those conversations? Fear. I heard people talking about this and that and this and that. And then there was some a little ignorance and a little bit of, of good insight and then some hate. And then, you know, there was a lot of little things going on. But as I went into every conversation, I prayed before we went to each of those things. I thought, let me just listen. I want to listen to what people are saying. Because all of this is at the surface right now. Everybody's talking about it. I'm sure you all have heard it. If you don't see it on social media, people talk about it. And so I thought, I need to listen. I want to listen. And I listened to the conversations. And the predominant factor was the fear. They're all fear. Everyone's afraid. What drives out fear? God's perfect love drives out fear. If we're not pushing love, we're not offsetting that fear. We can't convince them, not, don't, don't be afraid. You don't live where I live. You don't see what I see. You don't experience what I experience. But when you step in and you build relationships with people and you pour that love into them, we were talking about this morning in the foyer, a light turns on and something happens in people and they change. And you know what it is? It's Jesus Christ and it's his Holy Spirit that awakens the spirit in them. Because that's what they're designed for. This mindset that says, I'm right and you're wrong, is a pharisaical mindset. 
The reason why we grab onto grace so tightly is because all the law brings is death and destruction. It was was necessary for a Savior, and I'm thankful for it. But this mindset that, that says you need to see things from my perspective or I need to see things from you or, or I, need to, I need to agree with you or you need to agree with me. I need to love you right where you are. You need to see that it's not about you and it's not about me, but it's about Jesus. Where, listen to me, I, I, used to, I, I remember the scripture that talks about um, uh, I think it was Mary was washing Jesus' feet and, and they were criticizing them. You don't know what kind of woman this is. And, and uh, he says, those, you, you don't understand. Those who have been forgiven much love much. And I've always looked at that as a scale, like much. Those who are forgiven much have loved much, right? So she was forgiven of much because she was really bad, right? Where were you when he found you? Weren't we all forgiven of much? Don't use that as a cop-out that you don't love much just because you grew up in church or something. You've been forgiven of much regardless of your past. So this grace thing puts us in an awkward position again. <laughs> it, it takes away, now immediately there may be a little bit of fear, but it takes away that fear because it takes care of it for us. It, it, it takes away that fear because we're not going in um, to any situation with condemnation because that's not who we're to represent. We are called to love. The Holy Spirit takes care of everything else. We're not a people called to find the wrong in the world. There's plenty of wrong in the world. I knew very well I was doing wrong when I was doing wrong. But we're to call out love in people regardless of denomination. Okay, you speak in tongues, you don't speak in tongues. You... You know, stu- this is it's stupid. <laughs> it's divisive, and the enemy's using it to keep us from forwarding his kingdom. This will, you praise different than I praise, or you worship different than I worship, or as petty as skin color or culture. Listen, I've got good friends that have been spit on and cussed out and called names and called, called names of a culture they're not even from or from a country they're not even from. I've got close friends who have been treated badly for no reason at all. And I'm not, I'm not race baiting or I'm not, I'm not playing any of those games. But I'm telling you, there's a reality beyond what you're seeing in, in the media and, and what everybody's trying to push. And it's not fear. fear. Fear is the product of something deeper. It's the manifestation of it. I've completely gotten off of what I was going to talk about. Sorry. Walking in the Spirit. <laughs> Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. Well, I will. Walking in the Spirit will have you addressing what you would have avoided. The disciples wanted to avoid that city and that town and those people. But if you walk in the Spirit and you're actually listening to the Lord and He's leading your steps, it may put you in a position where you have to address some things that you want to avoid. You may have some awkward conversations with family members. You may have you may have frustrated dialogue with an old friend. You don't know where it's going to lead you. Walking in the Spirit may have you letting go of what's comfortable and convenient. Your plans and your schedule aren't safe. <laughs> if you're walking in the Spirit, your soul is safe, but that's about it. I can't promise you anything else. <laughs> walking in the Spirit may walk you towards what you don't understand. This is something that AJ touched on earlier. 
You don't have to fully understand it to walk in it. The Lord will lead you into some positions and some places where you, don't fully, you can't fully grasp exactly what you're being led into. But if you're walking by the Spirit, it, it, it has you stepping outside yourself because just like we said earlier, if I'm depending on me, then I'm, I'm self-sufficient, but I'm not self-sufficient. I'm Christ-sufficient. Walking in the Spirit will test your limits of God's love. We are the only ones that can put limits on His love. His love is much greater than our understanding of it. Don't, and I've said this before, don't try to limit God's love to your perspective of it. Don't try to limit God's kingdom to your perspective of it. Jesus broke almost every cultural norm and really shook up everything he went into. I look at um, when he was talking about the, uh, when he healed the woman on the Sabbath. First he was like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And he was like, well, if you had a donkey that fell in a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't you get it out on the Sabbath? But here's what he was doing there. Think about what he was breaking. In this culture, they treated women somewhat like property. And he was saying, Look at what you're doing. Jesus was the greatest women's liberator there ever was. Listen, I mean, he was, he was showing them, look, how much, how much greater is this woman than, than a donkey that would fall into that? Because that's what they were equating them to at that time. Listen, Jesus, especially those kind of people, would cut straight to what was going on. And he kind of messed with them a little bit. And he does the same thing to us. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but it's kind of awesome how he does it. He'll find that thing that you think you've got it all together and you've got it figured out and he will turn it upside down. Listen, you guys, you, most of you guys know me and almost every God thing, even the Honduras trip and me being pastor here and, and everything has been God turning our world upside down. It hasn't been me going, okay, I'm going to do this for two years and then after this I think I'm going to shift and go this way. No, <laughs> nothing like that. God will take what I think I've got together and go, you know what? Let me flip that upside down. Oh, God. That's when your prayer life gets strong, right? Are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do this? Yeah, okay. All right, you're leading. Here we go. So I said all this to say, I want to prepare your hearts for what we're going to do collectively as a church. If you guys are willing to follow me um, and us together as a leadership team, it's going to take some effort. This whole back-to-school bash, when people come here, it's going to take effort on our part. It doesn't mean we're working to earn God's favor. We're, you know, we're falling into some legalistic system with all these tasks and duties. And du- uh, duty. And so, <laughs> I can't say, can't say duty without giggling. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm easily amused. What I'm saying is, there will be things that we need to come together on, and I'm going to ask of you some things that may be uncomfortable. Um... And I don't want to intentionally put anybody in harm's way. But I do want to give opportunities for you to live out what you believe. And to me, that's what the church is. Uh, I feel like there's so much emphasis in America right now on Sunday mornings for church. Don't get me wrong. I love Sunday mornings. We're going to continue to do them. Um, And it's good to collectively get together and corporately worship and hear the word. and, And it's really good. But this is just a part of the bigger picture, just like everything we're talking about. This Sunday morning thing is just a part of the rest of the week and the rest of the month and the rest of the year and the rest of your life. We talked about last week, eternity started yesterday. <laughs> eternity, by definition, is now. It's not just when you die and go to heaven. People in heaven don't need you. People on earth do. So we're starting now. This is, this is moving forward. 
We're going to have this back-to-school bash. We're going to invite other churches, other cultures, other denominations, and we're going to hang out with them. We're going to talk to them. We're going to get to know them. And as we move on in the next few weeks, we'll say, okay, let's plan, either we'll plan another event or we'll go to their church or we'll go to one of their events or we'll go, we're, we've already plugged in with Light of the Village. We're on their email list, their next event. They're going to plug us in. And it'll be as simple as face painting or just loving the kids just to introduce us into what, they're, what they have going on. And this is the beginning of a growing relationship of, I hope to be, a network of churches in Mobile that can shift the culture in our, in our city that will shift that culture of fear into a, a culture of boldness and, and love. And we're going to call up people and who they are. Listen, a bird, we, we were watching the Animal Planet or something at my mom's yesterday, and the funniest scene, the bird leaped off this, off this uh, nest and plummeted, just flapping like crazy and plummeted, and the camera followed him all the way down. Shh, thud. <laughs> and it was in the midst of a bunch of other beautiful scenes, and it was Usher narrating. I'm completely confused by the whole thing. But anyway, this bird flew off and, and fell down. But because he didn't fly, did that make him any less a bird? No. No, he didn't die. He bounced. He bounced, and he, he still fluttered. It, it looked like he was going to because it seemed like a long way, but he was fine. <laughs> but it, that doesn't make him any less a bird. In the same way we talked about before, a sapling is still a tree. There's fruit in there. If you feel like you haven't produced any fruit in a while, it doesn't make you any less a tree. You just got a little growing to do, and you're going to start popping some fruit out. Fruit happens, right? <laughs> We're going to make some T-shirts. I got to make those T-shirts. We're going to have some pure gray shirts that says fruit happens, or some old school like trucker hats, fruit happens. All right, so, <laughs> so what I'm saying is we are going to go into the city. We're going to call out some birds, whether they look like birds or not, <laughs> and we're going to say, look, this is who you are, and we're going to call out the good, and we're going to call out the God in people, and they're going to rise to it. Right? This is the difference in real sharing the gospel and trying to corner the market on it and only let people into your group that look like you and act like you and sound like you. We're going to go out and call out Christ in people, and we're going to see the Holy Spirit begin to rise up in people, and we're going to see people that you didn't expect to, to lead ministries come out of nowhere and change the city. I see it. We talked about this morning. I, I feel a revival coming. <laughs> Something has got to happen to shift this culture. There's too many people afraid. It's, it's, there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of hate out there, and we have the answer. We have the answer. You have to have $10,000 to give it away, right? We have it. The disciples said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. We have got to see that, and we've got to distribute it. I see, I don't know, 60, 70 people in here. I can just see, like, fruit around you, all the people that you could be influencing and that you probably already are. But imagine the life that will begin to spring up around you and you begin to see it. Imagine how powerful that's going to be and how encouraging it's going to be to you. Listen, as soon as you get outside yourselves, you'll see joy. I've looked for it. Where were you when he found you? <laughs> I was looking for it. I was at a party where I shouldn't have been. And he woke me up. And he said, I've got more for you than this. There's more to life than what you're searching for. It's very limited. What, you're, what you've got is a little bucket full, is what he told me. 
You've got little bucket fulls, but I've got something that never runs out. Listen, we're going to bring that living water. And we're going to cast out this fear and lie that the world has something better than what we have because they don't. And we'll kill the imitations and we'll bring what, what reality is to people. So guys, stand up with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And we'll call this a bit of a commissioning too because I'm, I'm calling you guys up and I'll continue to until the Lord tells me to do something else. But if you will, close your eyes just so we can, we can open our hearts to the Spirit. Father, we pray right now that you will rise up in us, your Holy Spirit, Father. That when we, we, we go out and we see people, Father, we would listen to them. We would see where they are and we would meet them right there, Father, and we would pour out your love onto them. Father, your Holy Spirit is much bigger and much better than the things that we are seeing begin to manifest in our country. Father, shift our culture and shift our city into a revival for you. Father, let us look upon you and not our government and not our not our own perception of what we think should be right. Father, let us look to you and guide us in the way that you want us to go. Father, you know better. And I pray right now and I submit to you our lives. We're only here for a moment. We're here for a brief time. But Father, we want to make the most of it. We want to co-labor with you. And right now, I do, I commission this church, Father, that as we go out and we love people, Father, that that Holy Spirit that we carry... Is, is just overflowing. And it, and it is manifest. It is, it is divinity permeating humanity. Father, it is your Holy Spirit moving and changing people. Father, go before us this week and prepare a way for us as you already are for those divine appointments. Just as I flew all the way to Honduras to see one young girl's life changed because of what you were doing there. Father, open our eyes to see those appointments and to take hold of them and to rejoice with you in them. And we'll do that and then we'll move on to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one until there's just an explosion of your Holy Spirit in our city. Father, that we can't even, we don't even, we'll look up and we go, how did we end up here? How did this even happen? We were such a small church. <laughs> we didn't even know. We didn't even know the plans you had for us, Father, but you went before us and you come behind us and you were all around us and you were with us and we were indwelt with your Holy Spirit. And as we go and we move and we speak and we love and we pray and we build relationships, not rules and regulations, we build relationships and we pour out your love on people, Father, they would see it and they would grab a hold of it and it would change them forever. Forever. No momentary change, Father, but life change. Seal in the hearts of your people what you have for them, Father. And remind us to seek you in everything that we do, in every moment, in every frustrating situation, in everything that we fear. Father, your love casts out fear. And I thank you for your perfect love in us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Amen.